going to continue in the book of John this morning. And uh, if you guys have been following along, of course, uh, John is this wonderful introduction as to who Christ is. And, and we've been looking at this pretty in depth. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's been a blessing to look at this. Um, we're we're going to kind of detour from the book of John starting next Sunday. We're going to go into the book of Acts uh, because we kind of hit a lot of this stuff in the latter part of John throughout the Holy Week and Easter and that season. And so we're in chapter 15 is where we're at this morning. I want us to look at this idea of who is Jesus as far as who is he to you and I today and how does that affect us? How does that change us? Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I met Jesus, it changed everything. It was a complete, a complete change. Uh, we know in scripture that we're taught that uh, we're new creatures in Christ. I mean, how true is that? We are new creatures in Christ. Let the church say amen. That's a wonderful blessing. To, to have that, that, that change that happens in us because we're truly just a depraved people who have no hope apart from Christ. And in John here, John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and he's just laying out some things very plain and very clear. Look at verse one there in chapter 15. I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And the branch, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Underline that. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Father, we love your word. How good is it? How sweet it is today to be reminded, Lord, that, that we have not done anything. You chose us, and your commandment for us today is to abide in you. Lord, may we be guilty of that today in every aspect of our lives. May we follow you 
with our whole hearts. Thank you for choosing us today. Lord, we are truly friends of God because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. Thank you so much for this truth. And we ask this in your name. Amen. You know, as we're looking at this, we kind of get this picture. It's a three-part metaphor that uh, the writer gives us here this morning. And there's three, three different people kind of listed in this story that he talks about the vine, the vine dresser, and the branches. And when we're talking about the vine, I mean, we, we know who the vine is, correct? It's Jesus. Jesus is the vine, the true vine. It's not a, it's not a people group. I think maybe somewhere along the way people say, well, you know, Israel is the vine, or, you know, this group is the vine, or Southern Baptists are the vine. It's not. Jesus is the vine. And it's in him that we're able to, to accomplish anything. It's, it's in him that we find our power. It's, it's in him that we find our growth, our, our purpose. Jesus is that vine. And, and of course, the, the Father, God the Father is the husbandman. He's the one, the vine dresser. He's, he's, he's pruning us. How many of us from time to time just need pruned really good? You know? And I know we look at that and, and, and a lot of times we're like, yeah, them sinners are getting pruned, you know? And because we, we focus on that little part there where it says that if they're not producing fruit, then they're cut off and they're thrown into a, a fire and they're burned up, right? But it also says there that, that God takes his church, his people, his friends, and he prunes them so that we may bear more fruit. I, I've been several times in my life where I needed to be pruned. I needed to be cut down a little bit. I think maybe even during COVID, the church was cut down a little bit. We were so mighty and we were so so caught on having services and doing this and doing that that we were kind of getting self-sufficient. But one thing that I believe, in my heart anyways, that COVID did for us, it allowed us to look to God on a personal level instead of just saying, well, let's go to church. Your your worship this morning is very evident to me that, that there's, a, there's a deep love for God. And I think a lot of that comes through, through times of pruning in which the husbandman, the, the, the vine dresser, that he comes in here and he, he, he makes us what we need to be. In verse 7, it says that that husbandman, that he answers our prayers. How many of us want prayers answered? Man, on Wednesday night, we've been going through revival. And the, the, what true revival is and how to pray for it and what revival prayer looks like. And the thing is, is that, Church, don't forget that God is listening to us when we pray. And you look here, Jesus tells his disciples to abide. And then he says, anything you ask in his name, he's going to answer. And I know a lot of people want to misuse that scripture and say, well, whatever you say, you know. Lord, I, I pray that the Dallas Cowboys have a championship year this year. I pray that the Cubs will quit losing to the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, I pray these things. That's not what the prayers we're talking about because it, it, it comes right after Jesus saying, abide in me. If we're abiding in Jesus, then our prayers are going to be in line with what Jesus is going to do anyways. What Jesus is there, he's not just there just to be some religious figure, but rather when we walk with Jesus, we find ourselves in his will. And when we're in his will, we see things happen. The most powerful thing about Sunday morning service, the most powerful thing about Falls Creek, the most powerful thing about Vacation Bible School is that those are times that are specifically set to hear the Word of God. Our youth, when they go to Falls Creek, would say, man, they, they all get holy while they're there. Well, they do because we cut off everything else in the outside world and we focus only upon the Word of God. And we say, God, would you speak to us? VBS is the same way. Sunday mornings, maybe you're really blessed to come to service on Sunday morning. What's because you're abiding in Jesus today? You're just like, Jesus, speak to me. I hope that's what you're thinking anyways. I hope you're not worried about that pot roast in the oven or that, uh, that Big Mac on the grill in, in Hera. You're waiting for you. Whatever it is you're going to eat today. 
But when we look here that Jesus is telling us to abide, to live, to, to be a part of him, and that when we pray, we see things happen. I, I like to see prayers answered. My, my prayer for McLeod First Baptist Church is not that we stay the same. It's not that we, you know, not, not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. We're, we're a good, good group of believers, and, uh, you know, the gospel's been proclaimed here for a whole long time. But, but the thing is, I believe God wants us to take steps forward. And, and as we're doing that, I, I think we need to abide in Christ more. Don't get closer to Daniel. I know I'm a really cool pastor and all that, but, you know, just don't laugh. Come on. But, but, as, but as, you know, we think sometimes that, well, well, if I get closer to somebody, right? I remember when I was a kid, I, I, man, Bruce, if I could get closer to Brother Doyle, you know, I mean, I just, I'm just, and, and there is some, like, merit to that. You know, when you, when you follow hard after a mighty saint of God. But really what we need to be doing, and really what we're doing even in those situations, is we're, we're abiding in Christ. We're abiding in who he is. And when that happens, our prayers are answered. You know, the Lord prunes us as is needed. He, in verse 9, he says he loves the vine. In other words, that this, you know, this, this husbandman that's doing this like violent act to the vine, it's not out of hate, it's out of love. Pruning, pruning can seem sad at times. We've got a little plant at home and I don't know what's wrong with it. We're trying to figure it out. But it's, it'll, it'll, get, it'll do really well, and then it'll just like die back. And I've just been, it's like been my project here in the last about two months. And um, I don't know what's wrong with this plant. I'm trying to figure it out. I've tried everything. I, I sing to it. Maybe that's hurting it. Uh, you know, I, I preach to it. That may hurt it too. Uh, it, it may be a pagan plant. I don't know. But I'm, but I'm trying to, you know, like help this plant to grow. But there's, there's times when I need to go in there, and, and there's, there's leaves that need to come off. They're hurting the plant. It needs new growth. Church, we need to accept that from the Father. When he prunes us, it's out of love. He's doing it because he loves us. I think the fifth thing we can really kind of look at there as far as the husbandman, who he is, it says he takes great pleasure and is glorified by the fruitfulness of the branches. When we are fruitful, God is glorified in that. You know, yesterday my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law uh, they, they were married, you know, and I got to do the ceremony. It was beautiful. It was outdoors. The rain held off. It was just a great, great, great sermon. I mean service, not sermon. <laughs> but we're there. It was a great sermon, too. I had several people in the audience that I'd married over the years, and they were like, that oh, was really good. And I was like, well, it's the same sermon I've always preached. I mean, it's, the gospel doesn't change, right? Um, and, and, and during a wedding, you know, I, th- I think a lot of times we may miss it, but it's really a picture of God preparing us for heaven. It's a picture of God redeeming his church. And that's really what marriage is, is this real life picture of what God does for the church. But in that moment, I was just thinking, and it was, it was just beautiful because here I have, you know, my brother-in-law who's a believer and my sister-in-law who's a believer. And they're in front of God and that witness of people. They said, you know what? We want God to be glorified in this. God is glorified when we're fruitful. You know, don't, don't ever think we're bragging when, when, you know, we come back from a camp and we have salvations or, you know, we have salvations on Sunday morning or, you know, we have some kind of ministry that's just really thriving. It's not bragging if God is doing it because, you know, here's the thing. God is glorified in those times. God's glorified in that. I think as a pastor, sometimes people come up and say, that was a really good sermon. I was like, well, were the other ones not good? Or what's the deal here? But, you know, we, we're, we're not glorified. Daniel's not glorified in, in a sermon that's brought the way it's supposed to be. Because the thing is, is the power is not in Daniel's words, but in the word of God. 
God is glorified in times like this. God is glorified by you sitting in a pew this morning. Did you know that? God is glorified in us uh, when we abide in him. And so what does that mean? Well, let's look at these points here. The disciples, right? He calls them the branches. How many of y'all like to be a branch? You know, I think uh, we're kind of like the disciples sometimes. We're like, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, a branch is not the greatest thing. Branches come and go. Branches break off. Branches are pruned. Branches are gone. Branches are small. You know, I mean, there's, it's not like the vine. The vine is the main, the main thing. But I'm, you know, as a believer in Jesus, I'm glad that he's the main thing and I'm not. I'm glad that I'm not the one that's going around pruning people. People say, Pastor, you stepped on my toes this morning. That wasn't me stepping on your toes. That was the Holy Spirit. That was the Word of God. You know, today we celebrate Pentecost, right? That's a big day in the church. It should be. Uh, the day that the Holy Spirit, the helper, the, the, the great guide, the comforter came to the church and gave us the power and the gumption to go out and to do the gospel work. I mean, in Acts, and we'll get into that next week, right? I, I wish I could have started this week. It would have been perfect. But, but in Acts, you know, we read of the church, and, and they're, they're, they're kind of like sad. You know, Jesus, as you're reading from the Gospels into, into Acts, they're, they're really kind of clueless what to do, right? And I, and I believe that during that time they were remembering, Jesus said something. What was that, what was that word? Abide. If you abide in me. And as they abode in God, as they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, there was a great thing that happened after the Holy Spirit came. They were speaking in tongues. In other words, they were able to go out and to, to speak to people the, the gospel message in other languages they understood. And what a beautiful thing that that was. But that was because people abide in the Lord. And when we abide in the Lord, God is glorified. Now look at this first point I want us to make this, this morning. Disciples are part of the vine and only live through the vine. Okay? Think about this for a moment. Jesus said, I'm the vine. And apart from me, you can't even exist. Church, that's us. I know this church has been here a long time, but if we ever get out of line and we quit abiding in Jesus, everything's going to fall apart. Your spiritual life, your family life, if you ever get to a point that you're not following Christ, you're just going to die. And, and, and what's going to happen to a dead branch? It's going to be cut off and thrown into the fire. That's, that's like a very, you know, especially for these people who were very much an agricultural society, when, when Jesus said, hey, this is, this is the way it is, they understood that. And you and I today, we must continue to abide. And you look there in verse, um, verse 4, you know, Jesus says, abide in me. I want to read this again because this is the word that matters today. Jesus says, abide in me. Everybody say, abide in me. And I in you. See, when Jesus commands us to abide in him, it's like reciprocal. He's, he's there too, right? I, I feel that, um, you know, as, as, I, as I get closer to the Lord over my life and, and my maturity. Of course, you guys know my maturity. I mentioned floaties this morning. But, but the thing is, is that, uh, you know, maturity, spiritually speaking, Jesus is there, like in my life. Yesterday was just a glorious occasion. We were all kicking back. Uh, my brother-in-law was nervous wrecked, but we're all like, man, this is really easy. You know, it's, this has been the most kickback wedding we've ever been a part of. And, and we were kind of kicking back there and just enjoying the moment. But, you know, when we abide in Jesus, I think that's why. Like, I didn't have any doubts or, you know, about their relationship with God or with each other. So we were able just to enjoy that. But that's not, that's not a, you know, a push, a positive push on my brother-in-law or my sister. Uh, what it's about is about God working in two people's lives, two people who abide. 
They could have ran off, you know, went to the courthouse or whatever, but they didn't. They chose to have a Christian wedding in front of their friends and family to say, hey, this is who we are. This is who we are. We're abiding in Christ. And if we abide in him and he's in us, there's peace. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Here's the thing. Church, catch this. We cannot grow. We cannot have fruit in this church if we're not abiding in Jesus. Say amen. I want you to hear that this morning. It's not new programs. It's not new pastors. What's going to matter in this place today is that we abide in Christ. So how do we abide in Christ? I think there's a lot of ways we can. Coming to church is a good way, but, but church, here's what we need to do. We need to be into the word of God on our own. At home, we need to be studying the word of God. We need to be a people who pray. We need to be a people who look for opportunities to tell others about Jesus. That's, that's the call here is that's abiding in Jesus, not just coming to church and going home or whatever. A.W. Tozer says that self-righteousness is an effective bar to God's favor because it throws the sinner back on his own merits and shuts him out from the imputed righteousness of Christ. In other words, today, guys, if, if we think we're good enough, we're going to miss it every time. If you ever reach a point and say, well, I've been, I've been saved since I was you know, nine years old. How many of you in here were saved since you were like nine or so? You know, I was nine years old when I accepted Christ. And I really, you know, I, I look back on that, like, I've not been perfect. I've made mistakes, you know. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, um, it reminds us that there's no righteousness of ourselves. It's all of Christ. He is our righteousness. And self-righteousness, all it does is put up a barrier. And so as a church, when we abide in Jesus, it reminds us that we're not righteous in any way. It's only Jesus that's righteous. You know, this wedding was a wonderful time because uh, it made me feel really old too. You know, when I came on the scene 22 years ago, my, you know, my, my brother-in-law, he was 10 years old, nine years old. I mean, he was just a little kid. Like I'd pick him up and spin him on my head, you know, and then, and then now he's bigger than me. Um, but you know, I was there and then his best men, like, you know, I, I had the privilege of like baptizing these guys and leading, you know, being there when they accepted the Lord. I mean, there's this, there's like a whole history here, you know? Um, and we've gotten in a lot of trouble and done some stupid stuff too, you know, along the way. Cause I was a, I was a young youth pastor and they were youth and we all just kind of were friends and we just had a lot of fun. But when I looked at that situation, I thought, man, this is God that sustained this. You know, God has sustained us as a, as a family, as a group of friends. And we still have this one thing in common and that's abiding in Jesus. The, the one thing that I have in common with FBC McLeod, everybody's like, well, is it different going to another church? Oh, yeah, it's different. But the one thing we have in common is we all abide in Jesus. If you guys didn't abide in Jesus, I wouldn't have clicked with you. Or if, if, same, if I hadn't been abiding in Jesus, you wouldn't have clicked with me. But that's how the Lord works. And here's what I believe, that we're going to see fruit in this church, not because of me or because of you, but because of Jesus. That when we abide in him, anything we ask Anything we do in his name, it brings him glory and he's going to bring it to pass. Self-righteousness will only hurt us. That's it. In a society where we think if we have more laws, then everything will be perfect. <laughs> laws don't help that much. We got to admit to that, right? You know, speed limits don't work. They work sometimes. But I think overall, at some point, we're going to fail those laws. We're not going to do everything that we're supposed to do. Because we're not righteous. And so why do we think we can come into the church or into the work of the gospel and think that our righteousness is enough? It's not. Our righteousness will never be enough. 
But praise be to God, Jesus is enough. Amen. He is that perfect righteousness. He is our righteousness. And let's not be a people who, who have a wall between us and God because we're, we're so set on ourselves. Well, you know, I'm a Baptist. We get that way, I know. And guys, understand, I'm like a proud Baptist. I love, and I know there's a lot of negative talk and a lot of weird stuff going on in our denomination right now. But what I do know is that the picture is not accurate because I, I am friends and I know a lot of people who are sold out believers in Jesus Christ who proclaim the gospel week in and week out in their churches. They're sending their people around the world because God is good and because they're abiding in Jesus. Here in a few months, we're going to be going to this place called Turkey. And I hadn't even got to share this with my brother, but um, a few years back, there was a big earthquake in Istanbul. And there was a man there, and his wife was killed in this earthquake. Well, he was kind of lost after that. After his wife, you can imagine, he, he just didn't know what to do in life. And so he, he kind of goes about and just works from uh, restaurant to restaurant, just trying to make ends meet. His world was literally rocked. He lost everything. So he's working from restaurant to restaurant, and one of the last restaurants that he worked in, um, in this particular city, um, they didn't pay him, and so he's like, I need my pay, and so instead of paying him, they took him outside the city and beat him and left him for dead. So he's laying there in his blood, and he's, you know, he's, he's just, he cries out to God, God, would you help me? And this man reports that he saw some kind of light <laughs> that he could only equate to being God to being Christ. Now understand, this is a Muslim nation. This guy's never been taught about Jesus. He will tell you that he didn't know who Jesus was, but he knew by that encounter that that was Jesus, the Son of God. Now how would he know that? I don't know. So he, he picks himself up as much as he can. He drags himself into the city, and he finds a group of believers who are meeting in secret in a house. I don't even know how that happened. Well, we do, right? Jesus led him there. But he goes to this house and, and he begins hanging out with these people and he comes every week and throughout the week to Bible studies and, and things of that nature. And, and over time, he gives his life to the Lord. He's baptized. Again, understand, this is a Muslim nation. There's not like churches there. It's less than 3% of the population is Christian. Honestly, a lot of the, the Christians that you see in country, uh, they're from Syria. They're, they're refugees. They're people who've ran from war and they're living in this nation and they're Christians, but they kind of have to be a little quiet. But he gives his life to the Lord. And, and um, so this man, I, I really pray I get to meet him. I don't even know his name. They won't even release his name. But, but this man, he's, he's working to build a church in this little town, this little area known as Ephesus. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. I'm super pumped to go to Ephesus church. But he's working to build a church. Now, you would think, well, that's impossible. Muslim nation, right? He's got all these barriers, we know he's, his righteousness is not enough, so he's been a man who's been abiding in Christ, and the government in that city, in the Ephesus area, they, he, they've said, all right, here's an old building. You can have a church there. Somebody say amen to that, you know? And I'm like, okay, I get to go see this, man. Like, like we, I knew when the Lord said, go to Turkey, and I felt it from my heart. I knew that it was not like, oh, let's go to Turkey so we can say we've been to Turkey. I was like, no, God, I want to go somewhere where I'm needed. I want to go somewhere where I'm abiding in you and you're glorified. Historically speaking, Turkey was a Christian nation. It was, you know, it was that Macedonian call. It was, it was Paul heading that direction. He was writing letters to these churches. John writes to the seven churches in where? Turkey. And, and these were, it was a very Christian place, but over time, people began to rely upon their own righteousness. Now, Muslim 
Religion is, is the rule there. But you know, God can change things, can he? One thing I know about my Jesus is that he's a God of redemption. And if we can be a part of that as a church, let's do that. I want you guys just to pray for this man as we, as we over the next few weeks. I, I pray, God, that there's a revival that breaks out, not just in McLeod, but also in Ephesus. Your pastor gets to preach in Ephesus. How cool. I hope I don't get put in prison, but you know, how cool, even if, right? Disciples, in other words, they're a part of the vine and they only live through the vine. That's the only place our life comes from. It's the only place. I was thinking this other day, I've been here 10 months and uh, we, we finally, we took off a Sunday a couple of Sundays ago, you know, and we went and celebrated 22 years and all that. But I was thinking, you know, how for a lot of people, and I don't think of it that way because I've been preaching for so long in my life, but you know, the word of God is as deep. I never run out of anything to talk about. You guys are like, yeah, that's true. But the, the thing is, is I, I don't because the word of God is so rich and so pure. And we're only able to do stuff through the vine, who's Jesus. Verse five makes this next point that disciples are only able to produce fruit through the vine. That's the only way we can do it. We can only do it through the vine. Verse five, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. We're gonna bear fruit. Church, we need to be people who are bearing fruit. Don't you agree? And I see fruit in our church. I see fruit in our ministries here. I see fruit of people coming together and being consistent in the gospel, being consistent followers, abiders in Jesus. And I'm seeing the results of it. It's not on us, but it's on the righteousness of Jesus that all this is happening. Because Jesus was righteous and could go to the cross and make salvation a possibility, we're able to do what we do as the church. And praise God that we have the Holy Spirit here today. He's working in us. Even in this moment, I believe he's prompting people in this place to make decisions, to go places this week to tell others about Jesus. You want to know what revival is? Revival is abiding in Jesus. It's not just getting a preacher to come up here and preach for three or four nights and say, all right, that was really good. Those are great times. Don't get me wrong. But true revival is when the church says, we're going to abide in Jesus and in no one else. That's it. And when you look there in verse 5, he's saying, guys, abide in me. I'm going to abide in you. I mean, how many of us wouldn't want Jesus to abide in our lives too? I need him. So when I abide in him, he's abiding in me. And we're able to produce fruit through the vine. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I don't know if anybody's ever read any of his stuff, but, you know, he's just a really, uh, he's, his, some of his stuff's just brilliant, you know? And he went through a lot in his lifetime, but Dietrich said this. I want you guys just to listen to this. Fruit is always the miraculous the created, it is never the result of willing, but always a growth. The fruit of the Spirit is a gift of God, and He can only produce it. They who bear it know as little about it as the tree knows of its fruits. They know only the power of Him on whom their life depends. Even the tree doesn't understand. You think a tree understands what the fruit is on its branches or whatever? It doesn't know. A tree is just a tree. You know, and I think it is the same with us today that our fruit, man, you know, somebody will say, well, that's really awesome. But a lot of times we don't even realize the fruit that God's doing in our lives. It's like, it's something he's doing. It's beyond us. It's not something we do. Fruit is always miraculous. I love that. It's, it's not something we produce. It's not something we're purposely doing. It's something that God's doing it through us. Why? Because we are abiding in him. Church, are you abiding in him today? I pray you are. The last point I would make this morning is out of verse 11. 
Disciples have true happiness because they are in the vine. How many of y'all want joy today? You know? Okay, some of y'all don't. That's all right. That's all right. You're the grumpy Baptist in our church, right? I don't want joy. It requires too many muscles. I don't know. Actually, it takes more muscles to frown, doesn't it? But, but the thing is, is, a lot of times we're just like, we don't realize the joy that's afforded us in Jesus Christ. There's great joy in following Jesus. My greatest joy as a pastor, some people say, what is it? Is it like getting to preach somewhere big or, you know, is it going to Turkey? No, my, my greatest joy as a pastor is to baptize someone. <laughs> the greatest sermons are from the waters of baptism. And, and, and it's because that's where Christ is abiding, that where we abide and he's abiding, like, like good stuff happens here. Good stuff happens because of who Jesus is. And disciples have true happiness because we abide in the vine. If you want true happiness, quit trying to find it in the perfect job, mate, job, whatever it is that you like in life, sports, car, you know, quit trying to find it there. I had an amazing hamburger the other night from, um, from a place. And it was, just, it was just like, it was great. I was like, that's an awesome hamburger. It doesn't last long though, does it? Like that joy of eating is as soon as you swallow that last bite, that's it. There's no more. Unless you go back and buy another one. And I was really tempted. But we, when we think about the joy of the Lord, it's like, it, it's perpetual. It never ends. That that joy of the Lord is something that, that we, we can have. And it's only found in being in the vine. It's only found there. So are we abiding today? I hope we are. In the book of Nehemiah, and I want to close with this, this, this little story. It's just a few verses here. but In the book of Nehemiah, we, we see the story of, of the children of Israel. They're, 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 doing, um, they're trying to get right with the Lord again, right? They walked away. They were in captivity. They, they had a lot of issues going on in their lives. And, and, and so he, they, they had some people in their, in their leadership who were believers in God, who were abiding in God, right? They, they were seeking God's will. And Nehemiah is one of those men. And, and what we read in, in chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, is this group of people who come together and they're just going to abide in Jesus. I could have done a lot of things. How can we, you know, establish our nation? Oh, they were trying to rebuild this wall, and and even their their aggressors were saying, "Right, go build your wall. That's fine." They were okay with that. But the important thing here wasn't necessarily the wall. The important thing, and, and really the kicker to the story, is that these people come together in one accord and say, "God, we're going to worship you." And this is interesting. I, I think this is interesting. Because I know in, in this day and age, it's really if I just was to get up here and just read out of the book of Leviticus. I would lose most people in the church. I would lose myself probably too, you know. But these people come together and they just read the word of God. They're just reading it. They're focusing on God. They're focusing on what's important. They're abiding in God. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8, starting at verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. How many is that? That's a good word, isn't it? Church, can I tell you something today? This is a holy day. Not just because it's Sunday. It's a holy day because Jesus is king. When we abide in him, it's a holy day. This day is holy to the Lord our God. So we don't have to mourn and weep. Let's not mourn and weep. We don't have to. 
These people have been walking around in bondage and oh, our cities were destroyed and we're all in bondage now and our, our walls fell down and we don't have a temple. There's all this stuff that's going on. They're, they just think everything's terrible and their leadership said, here's the thing, today's a good day and it's a good day because our God is good. Church, we have a good God. We don't have any reason to put our heads down. You know, we have every reason in the world to have our heads up and to be saying, God, we want to see you glorified. They said, this day is a holy day to our Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Nehemiah, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord and not to be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Man, I got to sit down a minute. Is that okay? I like that. That's a good, that's a good passage to kind of end a sermon on because it's like, go eat, you know? Everybody's like, yeah, it's, it's time to eat, Daniel. You're reaching, it's 1149. You're, you're pushing it. You're pushing what we give you. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. Where, where does that come from? You know, I think I've thought about it before. Where does the joy of the Lord? Because uh, you've seen stuff online, on TV, or let's say, well, this is what you need to do to be happy. Or this is, you know, if you, if you do this, you know, P90X or some kind of workout thing, you're, if you'll have the perfect body, you know, uh, you're, you're just going to be who you want to be and you'll have joy. But that's not, that's not how it works. Some of the, the most famous people in history who had it all were miserable. A few years back, we went to this place called Graceland. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. Some guy that used to sing named Elvis went to his place. And, and as cool as it is, it's actually kind of a little bit sad to me. Because here you had the guy that was, you know, the, he was the king of rock and roll. He had every reason to be happy. But we know that his life didn't really end happy. Whatever happened, I don't know. But what I do know is that there wasn't a joy that he could have had. I know he's saying gospel. I get that. But there was a, there was a sadness in, in Elvis in his latter, latter years. Now, sadness is because, I, you know, was he not abiding? I, I think that's probably part of it. You could look at a number of other people who were, who've had success in this life and they were able to, to find peace in some ways, but it wasn't that everlasting peace. It wasn't that joy that comes from knowing God. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. As a pastor, as a church, our strength's not going to come because we'll have, you know, record numbers on some Sundays. It's not, it's not going to come when, when our, our youth building's filled up on Wednesday night. There's joy in those times, but our joy is going to come from the Lord because that's our strength. Our strength is, is from directly from God. So if you're weak today, I want to encourage you with something. Disciples are only strong through the vine. Disciples only produce fruit through the vine. And disciples only have happiness when they're connected to the vine. What's the, what's the goal here? Get closer to Jesus. Quit playing games. I see it all the time. People are like, oh, they, they, they kind of keep Jesus at arm's length. You know, it's like, well, I'm good on Sunday mornings, maybe a couple times a year, but they put Jesus out here. But really the call is to abide in him. You know, I doubt there was anybody that was just walking slowly into church this morning as it was raining. You know, you were wanting to abide in this dry church, right? 
You, you weren't just walking across the parking lot like, oh. If you were, we need to talk afterwards, okay? Because that's, that's something not right there. But your, your desire when you were coming to church this morning was to get in here and to abide in the church where you know it's going to be dry, right? Well, except the fellowship building, it was wet. But, but everywhere else was dry. You could come in here, you know? At the very least, we could all go upstairs and we, we've got a good, you know, 10 or 20 feet of you know, flooding that can happen and we'll still be dry up there. But the thing that we know today, the thing we need to do is to abide in Jesus. He's our answer. He's, he's what we need. And I know that sounds maybe something you've heard time and time again, and maybe it's, it's washed over you and you haven't really thought about it. But I want you to think this morning, the only thing you need in this life is Jesus. And if you're not abiding in him, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to see fruit in your life. You're not going to have strength. Guys, I'm happy today that, that Nehemiah preached that message to those people. Go your way. Go live your life and be happy. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can be happy in this place today. I know some people think, well, you got to go to church and have a frown on your face. Music's too loud. The preacher's too long. The chairs are too soft. We have soft chairs here, by the way. These chairs are just too soft, Pastor. I'm sorry. We have coffee. We don't have coffee. I mean, we can find all kinds of reasons when we come to church. But when we come to church and when we live our lives, it ought to be filled with joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you don't have joy in your, in your life, it's because you're not abiding. It's because you don't have any strength. May we be guilty of abiding with Jesus today. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I love you. God, as we go into this week at Falls Creek, this is a, this is a huge week. Um, it's a huge, huge event for our churches, for our associations. But Lord, it's good because we focus on you. Lord, my desire for this church, my desire for myself is that I would, I would just focus on you daily. I would abide in you daily because true joy only comes from you. And true strength only comes from having that joy in our life. We, we have no reason to worry about tomorrow or what may, what may come, Lord. We don't have to worry about that. We can know today without a shadow of a doubt that we have a bright future because our God is good. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts today. If there be anyone who, uh, who needs salvation today, I know your Holy Spirit is already speaking to them. I don't have to beg. I believe your Holy Spirit is going to speak to them in such a way that today they will come forth and will give their life to you. Lord, for truly we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of your glory. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If we believe in our hearts, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Lord, I pray that all who hear this word today will come to the saving knowledge of salvation in Jesus. Lord, for the believers today, I pray that you would just light a fire under our rear ends and that we would leave this place with a goal to see you glorified in every aspect of our life. Lord, help us, draw us through your Holy Spirit to abide in you that our joy may be full. We ask this in your name.